Hang on tight. Fish Talk Radio is about to take you on a fishing adventure. You're about to go places you have even yet to desire and revisit familiar favorites with live, on-the-water expert insider tips. Now, sit up straight, pay attention, take notes, and join the party for a blue water, white water, and calm water adventure. Check out fish tips and trips online at fishtalkradio.com. And now, the all-natural attitude adjustment. Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio. Uh, Before we get started, I'd like to just say a couple of things. Normally on Fish Talk Radio, we have three, normally at least three different segments with three different topics and three different guests. What we're going to be talking about today is so important that the entire show is going to be dedicated to this. And if if you're at all interested in global affairs and climate change, but you really want to know the true science, this is what we're going to be talking about today. We have two of the most distinguished uh, people, well, certainly that I know, but I don't know that many people, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> but we have we have some very very distinguished people that are true scientists that have personal first hand knowledge, and are going to give us the real situation. Uh, we're trying not <coughs> to be too political, but I, sometimes I can't help myself. <laughs> so, but uh, the the concept of. Um, man-made global warming, the concept of climate change, the concept of ocean pollution, and and what's happening uh, everywhere in the world is what we're going to be talking about today. But today, we're going to get the real deal. This is going to find, this is going to tell us exactly what what is happening by some of the the most qualified people that there are. So, first of all, uh, Dr. Sam Dover. Hi, John. Okay. <laughs> and Dr. Lauren Everett. Uh, good afternoon, John. I'll call you back. And uh, the, <laughs> I know, believe that. Uh, so we're going to come back in, 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 in just uh, after a quick break, but I would strongly suggest you pay attention and you might even tell some of your friends because this is important stuff and this is the real deal. This is not speculation. This is true science. And it has a lot to do with anybody that spends time on the water so that they can know and understand what is happening and what we can and cannot do uh, to to protect the critters in the water. We'll be right back with you on Fish Talk Radio. Set on the magnificent Sea of Cortez, the Grand Heritage Resort and Spa at Marina Costa Baja is the first five-star resort in La Paz, Baja South. Overlooking a 250-slip marina and white sand beaches, enjoy two signature restaurants, a world-class destination for fishing or diving. Enjoy five-star elegance in the charming, laid-back city of La Paz. Dock your boat and enjoy the marina village. Visit on the web at CostaBajaResort.com. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. 
Local fishing at its finest is aboard the Stardust. Day and half day trips on Stardust Sport Fishing are a family affair. Find out what it's like to view Santa Barbara from the water while you are catching dinner. See whales, dolphins, and Channel Islands up close. Spotless boat and friendly crew are perfect for beginner or expert. Get aboard with Jason Diamond and his crew on Stardust Sport Fishing, operating at a sea landing in the Santa Barbara Harbor. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and pargo. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio. Today we have a very, very, very uh, important program. What we're going to be talking about today has an effect on everybody that spends time in the water, that enjoys fishing, enjoys the outdoors and is responsible uh, because anglers traditionally have been probably the real true conservationist. And, you know, we're not going to get too far into politics, but mankind is definitely having an effect on the planet. And when we talk about in the United States for, I don't know, um, first of all, let me introduce Sam <laughs> and Lauren. Sam, Dr. Uh, Sam Dover and Dr. Lauren Everett. Uh, we're going to be kind of giving a little bit more about them in a second. But for 10,000 years, the um, people that lived in the United States seemed to f- survive just fine. And they understood how things worked, and their population was smaller. But they had very little impact on the land. Well, things have changed a lot uh, since uh, 1776, and in particular with the population and the uh, industrialization. But what we're going to be talking about is what is happening and how it affects the planet and what we can do about it. First of all, let me introduce two very, very esteemed people. Uh, let's start with Sam Dover, uh, who's a doctor of veterinary medicine. But there's a lot more than that. Uh, Sam, why don't you give us an idea? I know what your specialty is, and I know the um, 
what you're doing it's it's your uh, uh, 501c3 so give us a real quick overview of what you're doing and give us an idea about what your background is all right thanks john yeah i'm a veterinarian and i've been practicing marine mammal medicine exclusively for about 29 years now uh, i used to work at a little place most of us have heard of called SeaWorld. <clears throat> that's where i got my background and and where i basically learned the beginnings of the craft uh, one of my passions when I was at SeaWorld was the, the stranded animals and, and what was occurring in the in the wild rather than exactly what's occurring in the park, the park we could manage. But the wild is a totally different place. And my long-term goal in life was basically to understand the causes of stranding, why it happens, what it occurs, what can we do about it. And as such, uh, about, like you said, 10 years ago, I started a nonprofit, a 501c3, called the Channel Islands Marine and Wildlife Institute. We're located in Gaviota, which is near Santa Barbara, and we specialize in, in marine mammals, mostly seals, sea lions, whales, and dolphins. We also deal with entanglement issues, that is, large whales that get caught in fishing gear, and it's typically, you know, like crab pots or, or shrimp pots. Um, not not your not your traditional recreational fishing fishing gear is the problem. It's more the commercial, and then we we try to mitigate those causes, research them, and share our information with other people, and educate the public on what we can do about it. And yeah, there's certainly been a lot. Activity lately, hasn't there? Yeah. Uh, last year was our highest year ever. We had 137 animals on the year mm-hmm. at the end of December. And uh, right now, and you know, we're only into November, well, we're in December now, we're at over 360 animals. So double that number and then some. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that is related to essentially a, a loss of the fish supply in our local waters due to a temperature change of the water. Mm-hmm. And also, Lauren Everett, uh, I, I, let, me, let me just say a couple of things, because I know you um, uh, don't like to talk about yourself a lot, but maybe you can give us a, a fill in a little bit, but just a couple of quick overview. Uh, Lauren is, uh, first of all, for 28 years, has been the chairman of the World Federation of Scientists Panel on Pollution. So I think that gives him some credentials. He's also a uh, Chancellor Emeritus from uh, Lakehead University in Canada. He is a gold medal uh, awardee from the Russian Academy of Science. Uh, He's also on a committee that advises the papacy on... (laughs) geological world events. So anyway, give us, why don't you explain it yourself, because you do a much better job than I do. Well, thank you, John. Um, With respect to the involvement uh, with the Vatican, uh, the World Federation of Scientists uh, is centered at uh, CERN, uh, uh, the home of the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva. Uh, It's headquartered by uh, Dr. Antonino Zucchiki, science Mm -hmm. advisor to the Pope. Uh, and so uh, we as a group uh, work on planetary emergencies that uh, range from uh, AIDS through nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. And one of those planetary emergencies is global warming. And so every year for the last 28 years, we've had some of the best and the brightest in America and around the world come to Italy looking at uh, uh, global warming issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my case, I chair the World Federation of Scientists panel on pollutions. So I'm looking at the chemistry, uh, some of the biology, and a lot of the physical attributes of uh, what happens with uh, global warming, for example. Well, and people that are listening to us are going, oh, yeah, so what? You know, these, these guys are heavy hitters. You know, what's interesting about that? Well, what's, what we're going to do in the next, uh, for the rest of the show, is we're going to cover what is interesting about that, because there's so much 
information that's put out by different people with different agendas that what we're going to try and do today is cut back to true science. Um, try not to be political, but sometimes I can't help myself. What can I say? <laughs> but, uh, you know, but there are problems. Some of the problems are different than what's perceived, but there are definitely problems, and hopefully there's some things that we can do to mitigate that. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of segments. So we've only got uh, a few minutes left in this one, but let's go back to Sam because he was mentioning about the warm water that's occurring in the Pacific. Now, people on the East Coast, they may say, so what? But it affects them also, doesn't it, Sam? Yeah. Pretty much everything that occurs in the ocean eventually comes back to Earth. You know, that, that is land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the, to me, the ocean is a indicator of, of what's going to happen in our, in our world, in our future. And what we're seeing right now, uh, the reason we had so many animals this year, is because of a water warmer temperature, which drove the bait fish further away. For example, the Channel Islands near Santa Barbara, um, in our in our area, is has a large population of marine mammals, mostly seals, sea lions. There's about 26 different species of marine mammals seen here reliably. And it's an incredible uh, resource because we have a, a currents mixing. So we've got a current from the north called the Alaskan Current and a current from the south called the California Current. And they hit the Santa Barbara Channel and they cause upwelling. And that upwelling is a large nutrient source that essentially is a food chain from, from micro uh, scopic organisms all the way up to, to the, the largest animal ever on Earth, the blue whale. <clears throat> These animals are seen here routinely throughout the year. And, of course, there's some seasonality. But what we saw this year was uh, because of the, the warmer water, it drove the bait fish further away from the islands where the animals breed and feed. Mm-hmm. So the females, the, the adult females and the sea lion pups, had to essentially, the females were gone for longer periods of time to forage so they could come back and then feed their young. Mm -hmm. What was happening is these pups are underweight, uh, significantly parasitized because there's a lot of parasites out in the real world. And so that's what's caused this problem in in the increased number of animals. It's called an unusual mortality event. The reason why, we didn't know at the beginning, but now we do know. It's basically a simple starvation because the bait fish moved further away from the feeding sources. Mm -hmm. Well, as uh, anglers know, where the bait is is where the fish are. (laughs) And that's why locally yeah. you're starting you're starting to have all these fish mm-hmm. typically found in Mexico and further south mm-hmm. in our area, mm-hmm. and so the fishermen are loving it. And the yeah. sea lions aren't. Yeah. Well. Oh, I see. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But uh, now this, you know, this this phenomena is not just in this area. Uh, just as a an, an antidote, in last year at the end of September when Hurricane Odell hit uh, Baja, worst in history. Um, category four. The water temperature previous to that was right before it was coming in was 91, 93 degrees. Um, in Alaska last year when we were fishing in uh, Ketchikan, uh, the normal water temperature is 52 to 54. When I was when Ken and I were out in the water, it was 61 and 63. So this is this is big. There's no question about it. Now we're going to have to uh, end this segment real quick, but we're going to come back and let's see if we can get down to some real science. We appreciate that and. Has a lot to do with angling, but everybody should be listening to the show. We are listening to Fish Talk Radio. We'll be right back, and of course, you can listen to the show as many times as you want on FishTalkRadio.com. Yeah, 
First named La Paz in 1566, the fourth largest municipality in Mexico, still has a provincial Mexican atmosphere. On the Sea of Cortez, the most biodiverse body of water in the world, La Paz has year-round world-class fishing. With a rich history of pearls, pirates, and legendary fishing, La Paz in Baja Sur makes for the perfect fishing vacation. Spring in La Paz, you catch Trophy Pargo, Giant Yellowtail, and Sierra. Find more at VivaLaPaz.com. Viva La Paz! The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. S-A-N-D-O-S is how to spell luxury resort in downtown Cabo San Lucas. Sandos Finistera Los Cabos is the only five-star all-inclusive on the beach next to the marina in Cabo San Lucas. Angler-friendly Sandos Finistera Los Cabos is now an affordable world-class resort with the finest accommodations, food, and location anywhere. Enjoy your Cabo fishing adventure as you never have. Visit Sandos.com and use discount code FISHTALK. World-class golf, fishing, and diving in the clear, warm waters of the Sea of Cortez with a true five-star resort. The Grand Heritage Hotel and Resort at Costa Baja, great value and without the hustle of other parts of Baja. On the white sand beach with Espirito Santos Island minutes away. Signature restaurants, pools, and accommodations for an intimate weekend, weddings, or corporate events. On the web at CostaBajaResort.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at V-A-G-A-B-U-N-D-O-S dot com or call 800-474-BAJA. I got out my shovel and went out to dig some bait. Got a pail with some worms and I headed for the lake. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio with Dr. Sam Dover and Dr. Lauren Everett, who we talked about in the earlier segment. Now that hopefully you know who they are and how qualified they are, what we're going to do now is I think I'm going to go up and go get some coffee and let these guys <laughs> take over. Uh, you know, the I think probably Lauren is a world-renowned scientist expert on the topics that we're going to be talking about, and Sam's a good talker. So, <laughs> so <laughs> why don't you guys just jump right into it? What we'd like to be, do in this segment, we're talking about the ocean. 
uh, which and it's the ocean is you know it's not more than just about fish. I mean that's on, on a planetary basis the ocean is extremely important. And you know what's happening to the ocean? We mentioned the, the the warming effect, which I don't know if we have anything to do with or not. But let me just go ahead and let uh, Sam take over and maybe ask some questions to Lauren and go ahead and and, and talk about it. Well. I, I think Lauren can can really start this conversation, and I'll just pose the question to Lauren that will help get this motivation or this this conversation started. And essentially, I'm I'm the end user. That is, I see the animals that are the the end result of what's occurring in the water. Lauren is a hydrologist. He understands water. That's his whole life, and and so. Basically, let him tell us what's occurring, and I can tell you the examples. Uh, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Sam. Well, um, this past uh, August uh, in Italy, when I invited uh, Dr. Dover to come and and speak uh, to the World Federation, uh, I had orchestrated uh, our uh, 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 seminar on the subject of our dying oceans. And so I invited uh, the best that I could find around the world to come to Italy and to talk on that uh, subject. Uh, And what came out of the presentations was the realization that the number of dead zones in the ocean are uh, asymptotic in terms of the number of locations. And then the obvious question is, well, what's a dead zone? And, And the answer to that is that... Uh, When you have uh, too much pollution entering the ocean, uh, much of that pollution uh, makes uh, results in algal blooms, and uh, those algal blooms result in a lot of uptake of oxygen uh, from the bacteria that eat the algae as they die. And as the bacteria use up all the oxygen, then the water becomes anoxic uh, and uh, nothing can live in it, and it becomes a dead zone. So as one looks around the world at all of the major uh, rivers that discharge into the ocean, we're finding these increasing levels of dead zones, and they are growing exponentially. And so what's causing all of that are a combination of... uh, Uh, agricultural runoff uh, and discharges associated with municipal uh, treatment plants. And the culprits that are being discharged are primarily nitrates and phosphates. And these are the the main uh, uh, nutrients for uh, algae. And the algae, therefore, uh, grow tremendously, a a phenomenon referred to as uh, eutrophication. Uh, Is that like what they call an algae bloom? Uh, an algae broom, yes. Uh, eutro meaning a well, mm-hmm. trophic meaning uh, nourished, mm-hmm. well-nourished. Uh, and this results in uh, these uh, anaerobic zones. And uh, that then causes a huge shift in the population of, of fishes. Now, with respect to an earlier comment that uh, Dr. Dover made about uh, how we get nutrients coming up from the subsurface, uh, those nutrients typically happen during times of what's referred to as turnover, where the deep water that is rich in nutrients comes into the shallow waters that reef, uh, that uh, allow fish to grow uh, out in, uh, in areas where they don't have too much nutrients. The deserts, the, the, the ocean is typically a desert. That's mm. how bad it is, except in the... In 
in the coastal areas. Hmm. But with uh, global warming, what happens is we get these much warmer waters. Uh, they tend to uh, stabilize and stratify. And when these warmer waters at the top stratify, then there's no opportunity for these deep nutrients to come up and hmm. to provide the food for the algae. That so the top the part of the, the top column of the water is has, has less uh, uh, nutrients in it. It has uh, less nutrients, mm-hmm. therefore less algae, therefore mm-hmm. less food, mm-hmm. and therefore all of the less fish, uh, less fish, <laughs> yeah, and less mammals. Yeah, yeah. And, and that would also, Sam, is you know what you do is the algae bloom also causes uh, something else. That's exactly right. There's there's good algae and there's bad algae, and one of the bad algaes um, is. Well, I can bore you with the scientific name. It's Pseudonychia australis, but it's also called. It creates a, a toxin called domoic acid. And currently, as we speak, on the entire West Coast, from Alaska all the way down to basically Mexico, there is a limit. Um, you cannot eat that as humans are mm-hmm. not allowed to eat shellfish. Uh, mm-hmm. Shellfish, exactly, uh, clams and and uh, crabs and that sort of thing, because they are loaded with this toxin called mm-hmm. domoic acid. And what domoic acid does is it affects the brain. It literally hits the hippocampus. The hippocampus is a part of your brain where you develop memory and spatial awareness. Oh, well, maybe that's my problem. And it could be. <laughs> maybe you eat too much uh, crap. Yeah. But, but in sea lions, we see the perfect example. Uh, mm-hmm. In different years, we see in the, you know, some, some more than others. Uh, and what happens, these, these animals show up on the beach, they're disoriented, they're, they're having seizures, and it, and it can ultimately kill them. And the brain damage is permanent. And basically what it does is they lose their mental map. These animals are used to traveling around at certain areas, and uh, they know where they're Ah. supposed to go. And Mm -hmm. when they lose that mental map, they are disoriented. So Mm -hmm. when they go to the the islands for breeding, Mm -hmm. um, then they don't know where to go. And then also this can be transferred from the mother to the the fetus, Mm -hmm. and then so we get a lot of pups that are are what we call dummy pups. Let's go back a little bit and talk to Lauren about you know, we know this is happening, uh, but you're talking about primarily runoff, Lauren, is that right? Primarily uh, runoff from okay. uh, agricultural operations so can you and us, from the us, intentional discharge from cities. Okay. Can you give a, uh, some kind of examples of that? And is that possible something that we can minimize or reverse? Well, I guess the best example is uh, the... Uh, uh, Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. The mouth of the Mississippi River is arguably the, the largest dead zone in the world. Oh. Uh, and it's caused from all those discharges mm-hmm. all the all way the across way America. Oh, yeah, a thousand miles. One likes to mm-hmm. think that uh, America is a, is a leader in the environmental arena, mm-hmm. and I think we are. Uh, however, even with the best technology that we're using currently, we still have these dis- discharges and we still have these problems. Now, there are many, many developing countries uh, and and some rather large ones like China, mm-hmm. where we don't have any of these environmental regulations, where the discharges are uncontrolled and enormous. Mm-hmm. And so the impacts uh, to the ocean, uh, I think, are increasing. Uh, to respond to your question, what is there anything we can do? Uh, I think absolutely. I think the science associated with it is well established mm-hmm. how to get uh, nitrates and phosphates out of discharge water. It's just that it costs money, mm-hmm. and there's a reluctance to pay the mm-hmm. money. And in developing countries, since they have no environmental regulations, there's no, no motivation, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're just not going to do it. Right. So it's, it's not a good prognosis relative right. to the health of the oceans. Now, um, also, there's, and Sam, you might comment on this, too, because it's not just 
agricultural. Well, we can talk about heavy metals, which is something that we should probably discuss, too, which is you mentioned China and developing countries because the um, they don't have a lot of um, natural oil and gas. They have coal. And when you're, you know, you're trying to uh, increase your industries and feed the people, you use what you got. And coal, you know, traditionally, you know, was, you know, has been used for a long time. But I think that the amount of it's being used, but the controls they put and the filters they put on it, in the United States at least, have really mitigated that. But uh, why don't you comment on how that's happening in the rest of the world? Well, what we see in a lot of these, these again, I use, I use marine mammals as an indicator of the ocean health, you know, because they're at the top of the food chain. They eat the various fishes. They are the ones that, that are the ultimate consumer of what's occurring in the ocean. Yes, we love to catch our fish and we love to eat our fish, but they rely on it. And what we've learned over the years is all the uh, industry, for example, in the North Sea, and a lot of this industry was in the early 1900s, and of course during the Industrial Age, a lot of these heavy metals, the ocean was just a dumping ground. They would just dump pollutants mm-hmm. and solutions and, and into the ocean. This, these things are what we call POPs, persistent organic pollutants. And they work their way up the food chain gradually to the point where the marine mammals become the ultimate repository of these Toxins, mm-hmm. specifically heavy, heavy metals, organophosphates, organochlorines. What that does is that affects their immune system, and their immune systems are now weakened, and they become susceptible to viruses that they normally could fight off. Mm-hmm. And we have so many examples of that over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, and, and finally, now we're beginning to understand why. Okay. Well, we're going to have... You know, probably hours to discuss this, but we've only got a short period of time, and now we've got uh, less than a minute. Uh, quick question: the amount of heavy metal, mercury, et cetera, in the oceans now compared to, let's say, 150 years ago, what's? I would say, well, Lauren can probably answer that better than I, but I'm guessing 100 years ago it was it was next to nothing, and now yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to leave that on that, and we're going to take a break. Uh, you are listening uh, to uh, Fish Talk Radio, and it's important to, to understand that we have um, fishtalkradio.com, and I think this program is important enough that you might want to share it with your friends. Go to fishtalkradio.com. Right on the front page, you'll find it. It's real easy. And you can listen to it as many times as you like. And, but uh, you know, it is something topical. We, we're going to do another segment, which is something we rarely do, but this is so important that we don't really have enough time to cover it. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking along the similar subjects, but uh, let's see if we can get more into some of the things and maybe some of the things that we can do to help mitigate this. So you are listening to Fish Talk Radio, and we have two of the foremost real scientists. Uh, these are not the opinionated people. These are the real deal uh, about what we're going to be talking about. And you are listening to Fish Talk Radio. We're going to be taking a quick break. Go to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the program again and again and tell your friends. road stretches for miles in front of you and with the ram 1500 you'll be able to reach mile after open mile it gets a best in class 25 miles per gallon highway so your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge but by your gauge for achievement and the ram 1500 is the first ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year guts glory ram see your local ram dealer today for great deals epa estimated 25 mpg highway based on v6 4x2 
If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Download the free Reno Viola's Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. And enjoy the great outdoors. Vagabundos Delmar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Delmar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. First named La Paz in 1566, the fourth largest municipality in Mexico, still has a provincial Mexican atmosphere. On the Sea of Cortez, the most biodiverse body of water in the world, La Paz has year-round world-class fishing. With a rich history of pearls, pirates, and legendary fishing, La Paz in Baja Sur makes for the perfect fishing vacation. Spring in La Paz, you catch Trophy Pargo, Giant Yellowtail, and Sierra. Find more at VivaLaPaz.com. Viva La Paz! Bass Angler Magazine simply brings you more. If you want to learn the latest technique, start winning tournaments, or just catch more bass, then Bass Angler Magazine is for you. Go to www.bassmag.com, click on the order link, and use the promo code FBR. Go to www.bassmag.com, Bass Angler Magazine, bassmag.com. It will be the best $20 you've ever spent. Maple Lake, French Lake, Grand Lake, Cedar Lake, Pleasant Lake, Clear Lake, Bass Lake, Otter Lake, Goose Lake, Gull Lake, Round Lake, Bear Lake, Rice Lake, Sugar Lake, Mud Lake, Long Lake, and Lake, Swan Lake, and Lake of the Woods. Oh, Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and uh, unless you just tuned in... You uh, you missed a lot, so you've got to go back to fishtalkradio.com and listen to the whole show. We have two very distinguished scientists in with us today, and we're talking about something that is extremely important. Uh, obviously to the anglers and people that enjoy the water. But it's a lot more than that. And I would say, let's kind of start off, Sam, with good news, bad news. El Nino is a fact. And, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, a long time ago I predicted because I could see last September when uh, in Cabo and La Paz, the surface water temperature was 91, 93 degrees. No one had ever seen that before that lives there, that, it, that you know, is still alive. And as uh, Hurricane Odell approached land, normally a hurricane will dissipate as it approaches land. This one kept increasing because of the water temperature, I assume, and became the worst hurricane in recorded history. 
So with that, and then what's been happening after that, uh, and I mentioned in July when I was up in Ketchikan, the normal water temperature is 52 to 54. It was 90 or it was, uh, 60. It was 61, 63. So obviously there was something happening. And this is something that starts way south and goes way north. Now, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. Uh, when it was down in the uh, uh, end of September in Baja, uh, the fishing wasn't so good because all the bait had moved north. But off Southern California, it was like being in Baja with fishing is great. So kind of depending on where you are and what happens. And, of course, we're looking forward to getting a lot of rain out of this El Nino effect this year and on the West Coast because we need it. But uh, let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Sam, if you don't mind, you want to take over and give us an idea about what it is, what causes it, and what effect we have on that. Okay, Lauren? All right, let's do sure. that. Well, uh, El Nino is uh, driven by uh, unusually warm waters. Uh, those waters are associated with the uh, west coast uh, of uh, South America, around mm-hmm. Peru. Uh, the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And in the Pacific, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the uh, temperature jump... Uh, 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 as recently as uh, last month was uh, 5.4 degrees. Above normal. Above normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the largest ever. Wow. Uh, and so the term we're seeing is a monstrous uh, El Nino. Uh, that's, that's the vernacular that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. However, uh, in recorded history, there's uh, been six El Ninos that we know about. Uh, two of those resulted in rainfall events that were below normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them were at normal. Now, when you say recorded history, that means since we've been able to track it? Since we've been tracking El Ninos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the two of them have been above normal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, although this is the uh, largest recorded jump in temperature, one is never sure whether it's mm-hmm. going to be a gusher or not, but everybody's getting prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Now, what causes... And El Nino. I mean, is it because we're putting gasoline in our tanks? Is it because we're, you know, burning down forests? Or, you know, what, what, what effect do we have on that? What causes it? My understanding is that it's a function of the uh, currents uh, and the uh, weather uh, mm-hmm. in that area. And the sun. Just and, stream, yeah. and rather than having a circulatory pattern associated with the water, we get a, uh, a lateral migration of the water that results in this huge specific area of, of, of warm water that mm-hmm. uh, dramatically affects uh, the, the wind currents mm-hmm. and changes uh, the rainfall uh, patterns. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, I would say that definitely falls into the category of climate change. But what, uh, does it? Has, is there anything that uh, humankind has done to con- to create this? Well, I, I think climate change uh, uh, is uh, is, a, is a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, climate change is is much uh, broader in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the issues that are associated with with, with that. Uh, you know, it's it is, it's an embarrassing time, or it was an embarrassing time in looking at climate change because uh, the uh, all of the models that predicted uh, the result of the increasing carbon dioxide level that went from 380 degrees up to 400, not degrees, 380 
parts per million up okay. to 400 parts per million. Mm-hmm. That was supposed to have a dramatic change uh, in the temperature uh, globally. Mm-hmm. The temperature is is going up only uh, slightly, but for the last 15 to 17 years, uh, it really hasn't uh, gone up. Uh, the, so, the global temperature the global has temperature. not gone up? Is that what you're saying? That's right. There's been a lot of uh, hmm. climate change, but mm-hmm. globally we haven't seen that. And they're trying to figure out why. Hmm. Bottom line is that the models uh, have not been uh, uh, successful in predicting what the temperatures would be. Mm-hmm. So uh, climate models are, are, are very, very complex. Uh, there's a lot of variables that need to be measured, and at the moment, uh, those models are having a problem. Uh, there's obvious climate change going on, but it's not behaving relative to what the models say should be happening. Hmm. So I guess we don't know as much as we thought we might <laughs> thought of thought we do. Uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of very bright people working on the problem, but I think the complexity of what's driving it is uh, is uh, globally. It's there's no simple no simple answer. The the, the input data is not there. Mm -hmm. There's too many variables that need to be measured more Mm -hmm. accurately. Well, and again, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot about is people. And again, I try not to be political, but sometimes I can't help myself. Is that to me, there are people that have taken this man-made global warming as a religion, and what we're doing today is trying to, you know, talk about it in a scientific way. Uh, so, as far as you know, what's been happening with the El Nino and the climate change, how much control do we really have? Well, I think we have a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, if we look at uh, China, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as you pointed out, uh, their main natural resource is coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, their development of the coal is uh, unbridled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking at the huge potential for global warming from China. Mm-hmm. They don't want to constrain their uh, economy, their, mm-hmm. their economy, but what they are doing is going highly, highly nuclear. China will be the nuclear uh, uh, giant uh, around the world, Uh, and those are all carbon-producing energy because it's it's efficient and fairly inexpensive comparatively. That's right. And when they get to the point where they can rely on their nuclear energy, what's they're going to do? And then they can be more magnanimous and look Mm -hmm. at starting Mm -hmm. to clean up some of the contamination that Mm -hmm. is horrific uh, these days. But But that's one of the things that we're doing. In, in America, we're going towards uh, uh, wind uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, solar generation, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the, there's real improvements that we're seeing there, uh, but uh, not anywhere near the stage where well, that kind this, of this indirect is, stuff can help us. This is probably not a fair question because you weren't prepared for it, and but it was just I, I do this a lot. But let's just say we take California, mm-hmm. and tomorrow. There's absolutely no industry. There's no um, carbon-based industry at all, so we don't do anything. And for the next five years, how much effect would that have globally on on global warming and and the environment and and the uh, climate change? Well, California is the seventh large economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to put a percentage on that uh, off the top of my head, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, one needs to realize that there's a lot of things in California beyond just um, 
agricultural mm-hmm. beyond oil and gas, mm-hmm. things like uh, the pharmaceutical industry oh, yeah. and things like um, the clothing industry. Hmm. It's hard to believe, but just the clothing industry has a, an enormous contribution to, to global warming. Really? Yeah, so things that are not really intuitive uh, are, are certainly a part of the problem that need to be constrained. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, we're all looking for answers. And then, you know, recently in Paris, they're, you know, talking about trying to, to come up with some global solutions. Uh, and, you know, I guess what we're trying to find out is, is what can be done, how bad is it, and what can we do to try and reverse it? Well, uh, I know these are yeah. questions that you're probably not prepared to answer. No, no. I, well, I, there's a yeah. lot of bias that come out of, yeah. can come out of this discussion yeah. very quickly. Mm-hmm. And one of those biases is that if countries go more towards nuclear, like many of the oil companies are, countries are, if they go towards nuclear, there is no carbon uh, release associated. There's no uh, uh, warming gases associated with it. Mm-hmm. And so if one was of that ilk, that's the mm-hmm. direction you could go. But right. there's a, there are a lot of people that are very much strongly against that. nuclear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And okay. John, let me add, there's there's also a lot of natural cyclical events that occur mm-hmm. in the environment mm-hmm. in, the, in the atmosphere. For example, a conference I was at just uh, last that spring dealing with that, mm-hmm. uh, we, we're dealing with what's called unusual mortality event. That is uh, an mm-hmm. unusually large number of animals uh, showing up for unknown causes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then the government will then throw some more money at us to help figure out why. One of the things they're talking about is what's called the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. And what that means is the Pacific Ocean, every decade, has an oscillation in its temperatures mm-hmm. and it's an environment. Mm-hmm. And so some of this is natural. So we can't just right. talk about the, about the humans I only. We have right. to look at things that we don't understand, but right. we are seeing patterns and trends. And well, these are studied by very, very important yeah, scientists. In, in my short life, I've, I've come to understand that things do go in cycles, like uh, pink salmon in Alaska tend to run every other year. Uh, and there, there could be two-year cycles, five-year, seven-year, 500-year cycles. And it all depends on how these things all line up. That has a lot to do with it. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's an explanation to it, but it looks like we're <laughs> just going to have to wrap this one up real quick. But we would appreciate it if you would go to fishtalkradio.com. Listen to it. I think that we've given you some great information. Um, maybe a little scientific uh, uh, jargon, but I, I I think that uh, these guys have done a tremendous job, and they, again, completely unbiased. This is this is the true stuff, and hopefully we've learned some things from this segment. So we're listening to fishtalkradio.com. Appreciate you tuning in. S-A-N-D-O-S is how to spell luxury resort in downtown Cabo San Lucas. Sandos Finistera Los Cabos is the only five-star all-inclusive on the beach next to the marina in Cabo San Lucas. Angler-friendly Sandos Finistera Los Cabos is now an affordable world-class resort with the finest accommodations, food, and location anywhere. Enjoy your Cabo fishing adventure as you never have. Visit Sandos.com and use discount code FISHTALK.
World-class golf, fishing, and diving in the clear, warm waters of the Sea of Cortez with a true five-star resort. The Grand Heritage Hotel and Resort at Costa Baja, great value and without the hustle of other parts of Baja. On the white sand beach with Espirito Santos Island minutes away. Signature restaurants, pools, and accommodations for an intimate weekend, weddings, or corporate events. On the web at CostaBajaResort.com. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Want to add more excitement behind the wheel? Choose Shell V Power Premium Gasoline and experience a drive that comes alive. Shell V Power removes an average of 60% of performance-robbing gunk on intake valves left by low-quality premium gasolines. And it starts with your very first tank. And now you can save big on Shell fuels. Just sign up free for the Fuel Rewards Network program and receive at least $0.03 per gallon instantly on every fill-up. For full offer and details, visit FuelRewards.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. I'm going fishing in my trusty boat. I'm going fishing down in my favorite fishing. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hannigan in studio with two very esteemed gentlemen uh, that we've been talking about some very, very relevant topics. And we have Dr. Lauren Everett, who we, we don't have enough time again to go over his accolades, and uh, Dr. Sam Dover. And, Sam, we talked earlier a little bit about what you do besides flying around the world, taking care of marine animals, and uh, uh, advising the uh, Academy of Sciences of uh, (laughs) global events. Locally, you've done something which I think uh, is phenomenal because primarily it's been self-funded. And you and your wife, Ruth, have done such a tremendous job. Uh, give us a quick idea what that is. Well, thanks, thanks for letting me talk about that, John. Yeah, we about 10 years ago, uh, one of my passions as a veterinarian is uh, understanding the causes of stranded marine mammals. And marine mammals are the ultimate fishermen, just like us. You know, they, they, they even more so than us, rely on that for their survival and their, their success. Mm-hmm. And 
the animals that come in, uh, I have a rehabilitation facility called the Channel Islands Marine and Wildlife Institute. Uh, you can find us on, on, we have a website and, of course, Facebook. And mm-hmm. and we basically talk about what's occurring and what we're seeing to the animals as indicator species. And in the last year, we have basically had a record year, not a good way, a bad way, mm-hmm. of, of huge numbers of animals, basically three times the normal amount, showing up on our beaches, stranded for a variety of causes. Now, so I, I do what I do, that is, save these animals for, for several reasons. But, but, you know, one, because it's the right thing to do. And number two, it's because uh, they tell us what's occurring in the environment. And, and, and we're trying to educate the public about what they can do to help, that is, protect the environment, protect the, protect the oceans. Because as fishermen, you know, I'm a fisherman, and we all love to fish, and we all know how important it is. And if, if we're doing something wrong, that is, the humans, that affects our fishing, that's a problem, and the sea lions are telling me that. Well, you know, let's uh, let's kind of jump into it because of the increase of the animals, the marine animals that you've had to um, rescue. You've been put under a lot of. Uh, uh, let's just say accommodation um, um, constraints, and you need to increase that. And Absolutely. it's a nonprofit, and you've basically you've been self-funded, but you could sure use some help. Right? Yeah, we're a five hundred one c three, and we do get some funding from National Marine Fisheries Service. National mm-hmm. Marine Fisheries Service uh, are the ones that authorize us and give us permits to do what we do. Well, you just can't just start doing this on your own because mm-hmm. that's illegal. So, mm-hmm. with proper authorization, um, sometimes you get funding. We get a little bit of funding from National Marine Fisheries, but it's not enough to cover our costs, not even close. Uh, so we rely, of course, on, on private donations. And like you said, I was the number one donor for many, many years, and, and I'm running out of money, frankly. <laughs> and uh, I learned a long time ago, um, well, unfortunately learned a long time ago, that uh, don't fund your own nonprofit. That's <laughs> not a profitable enterprise. But, yeah. but you know, we, we were getting, because of the unusual mortality event and the mm-hmm. anticipation of Nino, we're getting some a lot more attention, a lot more profile. Mm-hmm. And so, by all means, you know, look at our website, Channel yeah. Islands Marine and Wildlife Institute, and uh, and check our Facebook. There's ways to donate there, uh, and, and or get involved. We need volunteers. Yeah. We yeah. need we need supporters. Mm-hmm. You know, and and of course, you know, we're all on this together. And, and what go. happens in the ocean is going to happen to us eventually. On there land. you go. Uh, and uh, Dr. Everett, it's it's been <clears throat> such a pleasure. I know that you're. It's been a kind of a hectic day for you, and I wasn't even sure you're going to show up because your demands on your time are so they're so great. Uh, unfortunately, we can't pay you for showing up. It's like, uh, and was it Trump wanted five million or something to to show up? But uh, that ain't going to happen. Uh, it's been my pleasure <laughs> yeah. being here. Yeah. But uh, we do appreciate that. And again, it's very important to understand that you can listen to the show as many times as you want because there's a lot here and there's phone numbers and names that you couldn't recognize that you can go back to fishtalkradio.com and listen to it uh, again and again and please tell your friends because I think the topic today was something that's very important to anybody that enjoys the outdoors, water, fishing, but it's even gone beyond that. We appreciate you tuning in to Fish Talk Radio. Gone fishing 